Joining me is my co-host for the She's On First podcast series, Lauren Creedon. We're going to go a little more in depth today, talk to Lauren about herself, what she does. Hopefully it gives you a little more background as to who Lauren is and why we decided to work together on the She's On First. Let's get started. Marketing, advertising, and sometimes a conversation. This is the Brand Boost Podcast. All right, joining me today is Lauren Creedon. Uh, She is a partnerships consultant for digital brands. How are you, Lauren? I'm great, Vinny. How are you? Oh, I like when you call me Vinny. It sounds so <laughs> sounds so friendly. It sounds like you actually like me, which is good because I don't know if many guests do and they're like, Vincenzo, Vincenzo M. Landino. And I'm like, oh, okay. Jeez, well, so Vincenzo is very professional. So it's too professional. That's too, it's just too. You rock it well, man. I try. I try. Uh, so listen uh, to the audience out here. Lauren is um, absolutely incredible. I met her through some really cool live streaming stuff, right? It's through the SB Disrupt, uh, SB 50 Disrupt. Sorry. That's true. Uh, we did meet in a sports context. So hence uh, this being a relevant conversation to tie in some sports. But we met through both the live streaming community and an overlap of the live streaming community and the sports community. It's a v- very relevant conversation. I like when conversations become relevant. But really, you have worked on the founding team or the ground floor of three sports startups, including most recently FanCred, uh, former artist, which... By the way, I promised you earlier I was going to ask you about that. I'm going to ask you about it live on the podcast. So, ha. Uh, And a baseball player, which that's cool. We should talk about that too. Uh, Everyone always loves to talk about that. So I always throw that into a bio. It's a unique fact. (laughs) I was like, hmm, softball? No, baseball. Says baseball. Well, both actually. But we can can definitely dig into that a bit more. Got to talk a little bit about that. And I know that you are totally obsessed with startups tech, innovation, and you just, you love sharing your insights as a millennial startup founder. And that's what you're going to do today. But we're going to talk about sports. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, being a female in the world of sports business and tech and how those worlds collide and how you've become this consultant to digital brands as well. And thank you so much for your kind words. Um, I, I do I do have a little bit to say on all of those things and um, oh, you're thank you so much for having me. You're modest. I also did promise you I'd be drinking my Dunkin' Donuts coffee and I am. You promised me not only that you would but that you'd finish the entire cup on this conversation. So let's make this one as long as we can. Oh, I don't. So you don't have to chug. I don't either. That that or I'll do a lot of the talking so you can focus on sipping. Perfect. Excellent. So let's uh, let's just jump right into it sports right sports is one of these it it just it's one of those industries that i think always carries the most mystique right it it always carries this oh you work in sports or oh my god sports is so hard to get into or like that's for guys men only you know there's a lot of there's a lot of those like stigmas right around sports i want to know yeah it's so interesting you're so right on oh i I'm going to have you on as a guest more often. Just tell me I'm right all the time. This is great. Uh, talk to me, talk to us a little bit about working in sports in general. What is it? What does it entail? Like, what do you need to be able to work in sports? Never mind as a woman, but just anybody in general. What does it take to work in that world? How does it work? 
Love the question. You've set me up for a whole bunch of things I love to talk about and, and often share with young people or, or older people alike who want to, who, who see sports as their passion, someplace that's either a dream job, they call it, or, you know, a job that would feel like fun, not work. Um, and that's where I'll, I'll kind of pull back the camera and say, that's probably the point at which I'd tell anyone to take a step back and, and think about it again, because as a founder of a company out of college that was, um, focused in sports, I got so many resumes all day long. Every company I've ever worked at, um, fan credit included, even though I wasn't a founder, always had people approaching me. I love sports. I want to work in sports. I would love to work for your company, et cetera. And, I've said this on career panels at my alma mater, Harvard, at, at places, at, at a few different forums where people go specifically to say, how can I work in sports? And I think the, the starting point is not when I got applications at any of my past companies, when I assessed a candidate, it's it, the, the kind of the detrimental thing is if they say, I just love sports, I love sports. So I want to work in sports. And a lot of people would agree with me. You have to think about the sports industry as a very interesting, intricate business with, and then think about where you're going to create a skill set that's going to add value to any of the same channels that normal businesses have. Shocker, tech sounds side. like any other business, right? I mean, it, it, this world is full of so many different business models to create value as a designer, a developer, a lawyer, um, a, an agent for players, um, a, a, business person, somebody who works in food and beverage, um, real, real smart people across every sector. If you get really, really good at a skill and know how to create value, then you can apply that to somewhere in the sports world. And when, the, when we think of sports, I'd also challenge you to say, all right, you might think of your NBA and your NFL and MLB and NHL say, but, or even just international soccer, but do you think of NASCAR? Do you think of tennis? Do you think of the National Women's Soccer League that's three years in in the U.S.? Do you think of college and all the athletic departments and the value that they're creating? Do you think of the analytics businesses? Do you think of all the auxiliary businesses that are creating immense value in the sports world in seating, in player interactions, in gaming? Do you think of the new – there are some sports businesses like Whistle Sports that are built on the observation that kids and millennials are consuming sports content uh, on YouTube. And so creating platforms for athletes that you wouldn't even necessarily think of as sports icons, like like a dude perfect, creating channels for them to monetize and, and create value. Um, even like esports, uh, there's a job description out that there right now from Red Bull, a big brand in the sports world, for to be a program manager for their esports division. So the sports world is not only very diverse when it comes to the kind of role or skill set you can master and create value in that world, but also diverse in terms of the different um, the different ecosystems that exist, the different ways to get involved in this world. And oftentimes there, I mean, if you think of just working on the team side or working with these brands, you'll limit yourself entirely. You can work at Pepsi and work entirely in sports marketing. You could work at, um, as I mentioned, another CPG company like Red Bull, you could work at a tech company that creates an auxiliary service for sports teams and work either on the sports and athlete and coaches side, like a company called Huddle, H-U-D-L, who creates an amazing product um, to help coaches win more stat track and stuff like that. You could work at a company who does fan marketing, who helps these teams and brands get closer to their fans, sell more tickets, create, in, um, you know, more value 
for those brands. So I think that's the number one thing I'd say about working in the sports world that you can truly tell, um, if someone's done their homework, if they know how to speak to where they want to create value more than just that they personally are passionate about sports in their life. That's an, uh, that's a very unique perspective. I think a lot of times it's just when you talk to people or anybody that wants to be in sports is exactly what you said. They're like, Oh, I just, I love sports or I love, you know, I love football. I want to work in football. It's like, wait a minute. Like, where do you want to work in football? How can you add value? And, and, you know, just from listening to what you said, it's looking at it as like that individual business unit almost, you know, there, there's a, there's a law side, there's a marketing side, there's an advertising side, there's the operation side, there's the team side, you know, there's so many different aspects of it. Um, but you know, and I kind of asked, I don't know if I, maybe I didn't ask clearly enough, but how, why is it so male dominated? Like, that's what I want to know. Why is it so male dominated? Well, you know, um, a lot of industries are, I think there's a conception, you know, that, that the sports world is, and that particularly say that females in the sports world end up in, you know, marketing for instance. So, you, you know, I'd walk into a boardroom at an MLB team and there'd be a, I knew that I was going to be in the room with their COO, their CMO, their CEO, their BD person. And when there'd be one woman in the room, your, your brain, like there are just stereotypes out there. Your brain would go, Oh, she must be marketing. And so I think that maybe it stems from what we were last talking about, which is that fewer women think of themselves as wanting to pursue the sports world. But Mm -hmm. I mean, these are, these are, spaces that a lot of women are becoming very successful. And in fact, sports business journal honors women in sports every year. There are a lot of channels that do. So there are some women doing amazing things just in any industry, but I think it it starts, it it may in fact start from, from women. I mean, it's, it's who, who wants to work in this space? I mean, if you think about it, I didn't even, I didn't go into this wanting to work in sports. Well, you Um, beat me to it. I want to, that's what I want to (laughs) do next. Like, how did you go into it? Yeah. So I, I've, as you mentioned, I've been in the, the tech world, the startup world for a while. Um, I say I ended up in sports for a couple of different reasons. One, uh, through my art two, um, which, which created a few business opportunities for me and two, because I'm really passionate about turning underperforming assets into highly performing assets and the underperforming asset I observed very early on in my career was fan passion. There is a market of intensely passionate people uh, for these brands who, you know, it's one of the only spaces I can think of that people will dedicate uh, countless time and money, their two most precious assets to something with no measurable return other in, on investment other than being part of a tribe and winning maybe at most 50% of the time. And if you think about that <laughs> fan passion to be leveraged and how many channels through either sponsors um, that who aren't realizing the full return on, on their investment in that brand affiliation or through delivering more targeted opportunities to these individuals who want to be known by their teams want to be recognized by their teams. There's just, there's just a huge, I come to the sports world from a perspective of an entrepreneur, from a perspective of wanting to create value for those fans. And so that's how I really got into my first couple of businesses. And I also mentioned the art. Uh, my first business was 
Um, I used the like I created portraits of players that partnered with another sports marketing company. And those players went on wine bottles that were then sold to fans who could drink their favorite Chipper Jones wine. Uh, and it, they made money for the charities. So kind of came at it through the perspective of using player likenesses to leverage fan passion, to do good in the world and also help those fans feel closer to the team. So again, always in these auxiliary, either tech or marketing, uh, businesses that leverage that fan passion to really do something. So that's how I've ended up in this world. I, I, I have, a passion for brands that that know how to leverage their audiences and, and create communities around them. And sports has been that regionally for so long. And now is becoming, these brands are becoming global with the, the digital platforms and the way that they're distributing their content. So you mentioned meaningful relationships. You mentioned fan passion a lot. Uh, is, and I know your background is the business development side, building business or business development strategies with sports Typically, and this is a line that I stole from you uh, in our little pre-conversation, but you said sports tends to be a slow leader, fast follower. Mm. Uh, Explain that a little more and explain how that works with specifically how you worked with that mindset in your business development strategy. Sure. So so many ways I want to answer this question. Um, I'll start with, I just want more time to drink my coffee. So <laughs> okay. throwing all the questions at you. So let's start with the fact that despite being really big brands that bring in a lot of revenue every year, sports organizations at the, at the organization level are, um, they're highly, they have, they have smaller budgets than you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I say that they are traditionally slow to lead and fast to follow, I have often witnessed innovation happening in other sectors where there's more money to play with, more headcount to experiment with. And, and um, in the sports space, they want to, they're a little bit more risk averse. They have people coming to them. They have fans who are, who are seeking them out already. And they want to be on platforms where their fans are already not lead the way to a platform. And I say, I think a lot of celebrity culture is that way. They, you know, fans and, and, and users are the first to innovate in a space and then celebrities join. So when you are working in the sports world and and you want to get a team to affiliate with you as a startup, or you want to have a, a big brand, you know, lead the way with you, it's, it's tough. And there are a few known innovators in the, in the space. And if you are a startup and you can build a relationship with one of those innovators who does have room to a small budget to work with, who does have a few more headcount on doing digital initiatives, or if that's the space we're talking about. And, and then you'll find if you get a deal with the Red Sox, who Fenway sports group is very innovative. The San Francisco giants are very innovative. The San Francisco all their teams are very innovative. The 49ers, for instance, um, the Warriors. If you can, if you as a startup, say, um, going back to your question, can get a deal there um, with a team that is known as an innovator, that's where the fast follower part of my analysis comes in, where a lot of people want to then go replicate what you've made work with somebody. But to get somebody to double down and to invest, you know, one, one of their precious digital media staff on a new initiative when they know they're already trying to figure out these other platforms and maybe a little bit behind the curve, um, that's that's where relationship building comes in. And that's where in order to, to make that happen, you've got to 
you definitely like, this is a relationship driven business. Say you're a startup founder and you have a tech solution that's going to add value to these teams and their fan bases. And, and maybe it's not even a team. Like I said before, maybe it's a, a tennis player, or maybe it's a different segment of the sports industry, but you have, you have an area, a niche that you're going to create value for. Um, you got to come to it with that partnership driven mindset in mind. So not just a BD strategy where you're going to hit a number of um, sales targets a day and see how many of your ratio bite, but really approach these people with the knowledge that they get approached all day long. Everybody wants to work with these brands. Everyone wants their brand to help boost their own brand. And so brand got to be very, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get, you got to be very buttoned up. You got to do your homework. You got to know every initiative that they're doing, every corner of the internet that they've touched and what they're doing in their stadium, what brands they've worked with, what sponsor, activations they have going on, what is important, what are the values of their organization, who their executives are, how they make decisions internally, who reports to who, how is pitching something to a manager level and then skipping over them and pitching to their CMO going to affect the way that message or decision gets delivered and decided internally. So being just very aware of the process, um, going in there and understanding pitching first, you know, there's a, there's a, a meeting outline that can define any partnership interaction that I really like to stick to. And that is to always get them to talk about them first, really open up about their digital strategies, what they're trying to do and give them a little bit of the how and the problem you're trying to solve value. You're going to add, let them ask questions. Then you ask questions and you, you end with a close and next steps. And you often, often in the sports world, the number one objective of a meeting is to get another meeting. They're slow to move. They don't need to make a decision. They know you're going to be chasing them. So to really approach it like a value value add relationship. Don't just be looking to score an endorsement or work with a big brand. You got to really add value because they're getting pitched all day. And so, I mean, part of that, that I mentioned, part of doing that well is knowing that, you, you know, that, that research and, and knowing your stuff and knowing how they're, they're part of the decision engine works, um, is going to be key to, to you building a great relationship and doing your homework is always key to building a great relationship in any, sector of the business world you're in. So in the sports world, you got to read, you got to, you got to read great research resources. If you're in digital hashtag sports is a great newsletter. They collect the best headlines in the digital and sports and tech space and email them to you every day. So you don't miss any, um, you got to look all over their website. There's no excuses. You can find anything out about these organizations online, uh, on LinkedIn, on their, their sites, on their social profiles, come to that meeting prepared and knowing how they work and they'll, they'll respect you. And as with any partnership, that mutual respect, that, that feeling that you're, you're in it to add value to them. And it might take you a long time. As I mentioned, as we as were talking about here, the, the slow to lead fast to follow, um, they're they're They might make you wait and they, they know you will, you'll take your time with them because they're an important account. There are, there are fewer sports brands out there, um, than there are vendors. So, um, that's, that's my take on it. I think I might've meandered a little bit, but where, where would you like to take it from? You have any questions on what I just said? <laughs> you act like I'm, I don't have questions ready. I wanted to hear what you had to say. Come on. I hope, yeah. So what's the next one? Get so, hit me with it. Oh, look at this. She's like, she's beating me to my own punch here, which is <laughs> like, I'm usually laid back and chill, like just let people talk. And, uh, no, what I want to know is from you, what is the most innovative way you you've seen 
a sports brand because I, I love that we're not calling them teams or like sports team. They're brands because that's what they are. They're, it's a brand. So what is the most innovative way you've seen brands, sports brands using digital? Um, and maybe it doesn't have to necessarily be a sports team brand. It can be a brand that's partnered with them. What is the most innovative partnership that you've seen or maybe that you've been a part of and you want to give some props to here on the podcast, but what's really the coolest, uh, most innovative thing that you've seen? Oh my gosh. Hit me with the tough questions. Um, well, I let you meander a little, so some, some interesting ones are coming to mind. I will by no means call them the most innovative, but, um, some interesting ones to call out. Uh, let's take the NWSL. So that's the national American North American women's soccer league. Um, no national women's soccer league for the U S. Um, they are three years, three years in the making. Now they, uh, are the longest successful women's soccer professional league in the U S their, um, commissioner, Jeff plush is a great guy, met him in person. Uh, they're doing really innovative things in digital and I would keep an eye on them. I think one of the things that, that really stuck out to me is they stream a lot of their games, um, on YouTube. Um, think about that, a sports league, uh, exploring digital that way and thinking about, you know, a league when new leagues come around, like you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll attend some of the conferences I've, I've gone to and, and, you'll forget that new leagues are forming a U.S. rugby league. Uh, that still boggles um, my mind. Yeah, I'll, you know? I want to say that before you go any further. It still boggles my mind that there's there's sports leagues that are, are, are coming well, out. Oh, yeah. And then, and then those leagues need to convert fans. And especially in, I mean, you, we mentioned on this call, you know, women in sports that I think I gave a poor answer to earlier but would love to revisit at some point. I mean, women's soccer is one of those areas where, you know, women's basketball is – quote unquote big, but, um, women's soccer is a huge area right now. You saw on the cover of the recent FIFA game release, they put Alex Morgan on there as a women's soccer player on the cover as well. So Great that's choice, it's a by the sport way. Alex that's, Morgan's, you know, yeah, yeah. embodies the sport. I think she's, uh, it's, she's like the millennial that is really kind of taking the bull by the horns in the sport right now. Um, more so than others, but you know, I guess maybe aside from Mia Hamm, who really was like a a, a figure head in sport and as a soccer as a whole, not just women's soccer. Like you said, Mia Hamm, you're like, oh, that's soccer. You know, you never thought women's soccer. Exactly. Uh, I think Alex Morgan is doing the same thing. I just you're go ahead, transcending you know. that. You're, they, I think women's soccer is a great place to transcend the the gender thing in in pro sports especially in the u.s um as a as a leader in that space so so with them streaming their games on youtube and trying to figure out how that works and uh, i think that that's a pointer to how you know fan bases are becoming global that there are these regional fan bases who get to go to games but teams and leagues are recognizing they have a product that can be reached by a global audience. And, and with that comes different revenue opportunities, different sponsor opportunities. So really trying to be innovative while also trying to capture revenue. Um, the NWSL is, is somebody I would definitely watch. Another thing that I think is going on really innovative in the sports world right now. I mean, look at the X games. They just brought esports in on this past, um, games as a, a, competitive sport in the X games. And I mentioned earlier, red, red bulls hiring for that. I think the esports world is another, and I mentioned FIFA uh, overlapping with soccer, um, men, 
um, playing as women avatars in those games. I see people, you know, men playing as female warrior avatars in whatever, um, con- you know, conflict games there are. I'm not really <laughs> well versed in it, but like that's a space. Yeah, I, that's where you that's start not my space either. So the gender overlap of like, okay, you have like, I even see my boyfriend playing as like a female is his character in the game. So like, that's one example of how you like sports is now, if you think about these esports as, as a place for, you know, you've always, you see the women wearing the men's jerseys, but like having men embody Alex Morgan in that FIFA game, like that's perfectly fine and rational. And I think younger generations are going to grow up that way. And so that's one area where, um, where we're going to make some progress. Uh, so here's, and I know we've kind of come full circle. We've gone back to the the, the female argument uh, discussion that we went to earlier, which is great. Cause I, that was, it was something that I, you know, I, I am interested in, and especially in sports. Cause you think that in sports more so than anywhere else, that's where, um, you know, we've seen kind of that, you know, you've seen men, women, uh, females playing, you know, male sports, like we've seen female football players, you know, playing kicker or whatever it might be. But I think it's great. Or, you know, now even in the NBA, we have, uh, female refs and we have, um, we, I, now we're getting our first, uh, female coach in the NFL. Assistant mm-hmm. coach. So that's cool. I mean, those are, those are great things. I, th- I think sports, uh, I know you say slow leader, fast follower, but I think on, on many issues like that, sports can be a leader uh, in that, and they can and they can really change the mindset because of what you said right from the forefront. The fan meant that fan mentality, right? So if it's happening in sports, you're like, it, you might go and accept it. Oh, my team just hired a female assistant. Like, great. Now I'm going to go and I don't know, hire a female partner for my my uh, my business. I, I, whatever it is, I know that's probably a terrible example, but I think no. It just... What I think you're you're touching on is that they have very captive audiences, and a Extremely. lot of a lot of um, the the tech world, the social world, the digital world, even just um, regional to national to international. You have a lot of eyeballs on them, and I think yeah. that's that goes back. Yeah, eyeballs makes me think of the the way the sponsor world works too, and why some global brands want to sponsor these brands because of how much attention they get. And they're very aware of that too. So that's why they, they are sometimes slow to lead and slow to make decisions because they know that they, but I think, I, I think the entire sports ecosystem, even since I started working in it, say about eight years ago or so has made incredible progress and has, have, I've seen many more women take on leadership positions, many more, um, many more instances where women are, are owning it, whether it's in leading and founding startups in this space, whether it's consulting brands, whether it's, um, you know, on the court or on the field themselves. Um, it's, it's a great time for women in sports. And, and again, I think, I think if I were to speak to any woman who wants to work in sports, um, or hasn't thought of it and might consider it, I think it's an amazing space to work in. Um, I think that like anything else, you, you gotta just, you gotta get good at something put it out of your mind, whether you're a woman or not. There have been times that I've been at the board table. Um, I think I mentioned this to you earlier and 
took me, you know, till the end of the meeting to look around and realize I was not only the youngest person at the board table, but also the only female. And I just, I think part of um, my success and the success of other women in this industry is that we really don't think of ourselves with that label. I, you don't walk into a room and I, I have to remind myself, like I had to remind myself coming into this podcast that that's unique, that I'm a woman in the sports world. I just, I don't think of that way, of it that way. I'm blind to it. I know my stuff. I'm creating value. Exactly. And that's what matters. And so I think that the more, more women who think about it that way, who really learn it as a business, um, we're, we're going to be able to, to, you know, make a lot of, create a lot of value in this space. And, um, it's, it's important to pay some attention to. You, you mentioned one thing, and this is kind of the last topic I want to touch and, and maybe I can, um, I'll phrase it this way. Uh, you, you're a brand, you're, you're a partnership specialist. So how I want to look at that is, how, if you had to give advice for brands wanting to to work or sponsor um, in the sports world, what tips do you have? What creative tips do you have to make those partnerships happen? Hmm. So any, so any, any consumer brand who doesn't have a connection to sports wanting to do something like sponsor a team. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing too. You mentioned these new leagues that come up, right? It's not, mm-hmm. we don't, let's face it most brands probably can't afford to go to the NFL and say, I want to be your biggest sponsor, right? It's probably not going to happen, but there's a lot of these other leagues out there. So for the medium to, I mean, I don't want to say small business, but to medium businesses and you know, maybe large sure. businesses, what would you say to them to get involved? And because like you said, there's captive wrapped audiences there for the taking and there's, you know, definitely partnerships to be had, but what, like, what tips would you give those businesses if they wanted to go after sure. um, those types of sponsorships? Sure. I mean, one way, that, I mean, <laughs> the most common way to look at the sports world is that it is a pay to play business. So there are price tags that come with having, uh, having sports teams distribute your logo to their audience. Um, and the sports teams know the value of that and will be very quick to tell you if you want to work with those brands creatively, I would, I would encourage you to look at it like an influencer marketing strategy where there is an influence influencer, influential brand or influencer that you want to work with. And you think in, you find an audience that they have that shares, um, something in common with the audience that you you currently have and that you that your brand story connects with. So, you know, if it's a regional team, like a Pittsburgh team that you support Vinny, or if it's a, no, if it's really? the, if it's the Barclays the premier league who actually, now that I think about it is no longer the Barclays premier league. It is just the premier league. They've premier taken league. away their title sponsorship. If you want to, if you find a, a sports brand that has an audience that you want to connect with and you find creative ways to, tell your story alongside their story there. They are the, the sports world is becoming very creative when it comes to sponsorships and affiliations. Yes, there's, there will be price tags with logo mentions, but if you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trading of value too. If you can create some value for them, they'll give you some value back at FanCred, We worked with the Carolina Panthers and we encouraged them to create a social profile on our site. Uh, they were the first NFL team to do so. And they were very creative. They found they could really interact with their fans on FanCred. Um, in a more personal way and get to know them as individuals than on Twitter or some of these other platforms. And so in return for, you know, 
for us helping them engage their fans on that platform. They put our logo on their Jumbotron when it came time to say, follow us on social. So that was great marketing for us as a startup working with a brand like that. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it really, you know, part of what worked for us working with the Panthers and their fan base was that their fan base is very responsive to them. They've built a social strategy where they're, they speak to their fans very authentically. They have a brand voice that works very well on social. They have a great personality that matched really, really well with the fan cred brand personality. And we found that their fans really enjoyed our product. So I think you, it's, it's all about the same thing that we say all the time in the brand and marketing world is that if you have a brand story to tell and you want to engage an audience and you want to build a bigger audience, you need to find uh, a community where your story resonates with and then find the right channels to, to reach them. So, um, I, I'd say it, that's, that's how I think through doing that. And then there are very creative ways to work with sports teams. If, if you're focused on creating value for them first. So I don't want to have to do that. Where can I find you so that I can work with you? If I'm listening to this podcast right now and I'm like, (laughs) you know what? I just, I can't do that, but I really want to get involved in it, but it sounds like a lot of work. And this girl already knows what she's doing. How do I find you? How do I work with you? Where do I contact you? Thank you. Um, you can always reach me at Lauren Creedon at Gmail. Um, I'm also at Lauren Creedon on Twitter and that's L-A-U-R-E-N-C-R-E-E-D-O-N. And I will make sure to link Lauren in the show notes. I think anybody listening to this podcast uh, needs to tap into Lauren as a resource, not only for partnerships within sports, but because of uh, her vast knowledge with technology and the space as a whole. Uh, I, I think it's it's one of those, it's something that's not tapped enough. Uh, and like you said, and it's something that kind of even opened my eyes in the podcast or in listening to you say that is that there's such a captive audience there. Why aren't you looking in yeah. sports partnerships? Well, well, and there are creative ways. I, I'll, I'll do one more example here of Go creative ways you can leverage sports captive audiences without having to do a, official sponsorships or, or official affiliations. I mean, look at what NPR just did for the Super Bowl. So NPR, um, you'd think you know, it has nothing to do with the typical audience for the Super Bowl, but everyone likes to try to leverage that captive audience on Twitter during the Super Bowl. And they created the hashtag Super Bowl haiku. And they had a trending topic of where people were generating haikus to go along with their Super Bowl watching and tuning in and having a brand impression for NPR. So you can creatively leverage audiences on these social platforms that will be, you know, um, generating buzz around a certain topic, leveraging that topic, leveraging that community um, without that official affiliation. I'm telling you, you need to give Lauren a ring. She is Lauren Creedon on Twitter, Lauren Creedon at Gmail. Thanks, man. Everything, all the links will be there. I will have her. This is an untapped resource. I'm telling you, everyone listening, I want you to go and reach out. After you listen to this episode, I need you to reach out to Lauren on Twitter and tell her that you heard her on the Brand Boost podcast. Even if you are just looking to explore ways for your business, your brand to get involved uh, with sports, with partnerships in general, business development, uh, Lauren is going to be a huge, huge success here. She already is, but she oh, will thanks. be even that, more so. 
I just like making new friends. So reach out to me and say hi. I will say hi back. Reach out and do this. <laughs> do that as well. But do do me the favor, guys, and go check out Lauren because this is a very, very, very bright individual here uh, doing some amazing things. Lauren, uh, I really appreciate you jumping on the show. And I'm just really excited to to kind of now kind of put some more more into motion here between Brand Boost and yourself and a little bit with 52 Creative and whatnot. And hopefully we can uh, do some more things together because you are awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah, I mean, I, another thing, reach out to me for sure, anyone listening, but Vinny, you yourself, I would recommend you sign up for the newsletter, hashtags sports, uh, spelled out. H-A-S-H sports um, or hashtag sports. It's a great roundup every day of the top, say, 15 or so headlines in tech, digital, social sports. I wrote it down. It's going to be linked in the show notes because I wrote it down. So it'll definitely yeah. be, be in the show notes. But uh, on that note, I'm going to say ciao for now. But we'll talk. We'll talk soon, you and I. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Bye, Lauren. Bye. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.